This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson from Isaiah 65, verses are 8 through 12, and Isaiah 66, the verses are 1 through 13, and the title of this week's lesson is God Reaches a Hand to Save. From the NIV, the text reads, Because they burned sacrifices on the mountains and defied me on the hills, I will measure into their laps the full payment for their former deeds. As when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes and people say, don't destroy it, there is still a blessing in it. So will I do in behalf of my servants, I will not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, those who will possess my mountains. My chosen people will inherit them, and there will my servants live. Sharon will become a pasture of flocks, and the valley of Achor a resting place for herds, for my people who seek me. But as for you who forsake the Lord and forget my holy mountain, who spread a table for fortune and fill bowls up mixed wine for destiny, I will destine you for the sword, and all of you will fall in the slaughter. For I called, but you did not answer. I spoke, but you did not listen. You did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. Chapter 66, 1 through 13. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things and so they came into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. But whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a person, and whoever offers a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood, and whoever burns memorial incense is like one who worships an idol. They have chosen their own ways, and they delight in their abominations. So I also will choose harsh treatment for them and will bring on them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your own people who hate you and exclude you because of my name have said, Let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. Yet they will be put to shame. Hear that uproar from the city. Hear that noise from the temple. It is the sound of the Lord repaying his enemies all they deserve. Before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Do I bring to the moment of birth and 
not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her. For you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Praise God's holy and divine word. Throughout his prophetic ministry, Isaiah encouraged his audience to obey the Lord. Proper obedience is neither groupthink traditions nor is it hypocritical presumptions. Notice Isaiah 1, verses 12 through 17, and Isaiah 58, 2 through 7. Obedience must be genuine, authentic action in glorifying God the Father. Unlike the individuals rebuked by the prophet in our lesson text, the obedient answer when God calls. Notice chapter 65, verse 12. And chapter 66, verse verse 4. They tremble at his word and rejoice to give him glory. Verse 5. They are aware of the challenges of life and seek a discerning, faith-filled way. Isaiah wanted the people of God to understand he poured out his blessings Evil had been done by Israel when they sinned, but God continued to send blessings to the remnant. The new wine found in the cluster, Isaiah 65 and verse 8. In the cluster were bad grapes, but good ones were there too. God promised he would not destroy as a result of their being these good grapes. God is willing to save, but he expects his people to repent and live godly. Our lesson text depicts both God's willingness to save those who seek him and punish those who rebel against him. Isaiah emphasized that those who forsake the Lord will not escape his wrath, Isaiah 65, verse 11 through 12. The balance of praise and punishment in this passage foreshadows the Apostle Paul's later description of God when he wrote, Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but towards you goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off, Romans eleven twelve. False worship is always ultimately exposed. 
instead of destroying the righteous, those who listen and act with intent, God announced his intentions to bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah and heir of my mountains. My elect shall inherit it and my servants shall dwell there. Isaiah 65 and verse 9. The chosen shall prosper. The promise that they will inherit is fulfilled spiritually by the servant. To the rebellious, God promised punishment. According to the text, these individuals were guilty of forsaking God because they forgot his holy mountain. Verse 11. Instead of worshiping God in the temple, they offered sacrifices to foreign deities. Consequently, God announced, you shall all bow down to the slaughter, verse 12. Throughout the time, the exiles of Judah and Jerusalem dwelt in Babylon. They, they missed and sought to regain their temple where they could offer sacrifice and honor the God who had brought them from Egypt. Still, idolatry was not completely squashed. Even when Cyrus, the Persian king, sent a remnant back to their land, some of the people looked to the gods of Babylon for blessings as their ancestors had looked to the gods of Egypt when Moses led them out. Isaiah came as a voice to Israel from the time when they had a kingdom of their own, from a time before they had been taken captive. The prophet urged them to worship and praise their ancestral God and him alone. As he had spoken through the prophet for years, extending into decades in the last chapter of Isaiah, Yahweh continued to speak. God could not be contained, either in the temple of Solomon or the temple the exiles built. The final chapter of Isaiah begins by emphasizing the greatness of God. He declared, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? God, the creator of heaven and earth, could not be confined to a house. Certainly, God's presence was in the temple, as it is today in the assembly of Christians. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. And do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Chapter 6 verses 19 and 20. Again in 1 Corinthians. God indwells all the heavens and earth. Paul stressed the same idea in his sermon in Athens. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life, breath, and everything else. Acts 17, verses 24 through 25. Here is a rebuke 
to those who would build a wall around God. God will not be objectified or commodified. God does not accept worship simply because of their location or the rituals they practice. He requires more than outward ritual. God requires a humble, contrite spirit, self-awareness, self-awareness and focused sensitivity to his word. God revealed his disdain for those who worship in authorized ways with improper motives, Isaiah 66 and verse 3. It is not possible for individuals who delight in their abominations to please God with half-hearted worship. True worship must involve the right object, attitude, and activity. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness, Joshua 24 and verse 14. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth, John 4 and verse 24. They had access to God's word. Many ignored it. Because they rejected God and failed to answer his call, God promised to bring their fears, their delusions on them, Isaiah 66 and verse 4. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness, 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 11. Paul writes in Romans 1 and 24, Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. And 128, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved or reprobate mind. Our worship must be conducted in spirit and truth. Again, John 4:24. Both the way we worship and the motivation for our worship matter. God demands fidelity and sincerity. Many people of Isaiah's day were rejected despite offering approved sacrifices because of the way they offered them. We must not make a similar mistake. God's concern for those who were being mistreated is on display in Isaiah 66 and verse 5. The Lord was not aware of their situation, but also promised to make their troubles ashamed, verse 5. To the ones, to the chosen ones, the precious remnant, God gives the comforting assurance he will not overlook those who practice injustice. Out of the Israel of the Old Covenant, judged and rejected by God, emerged the Church of Jesus Christ. Zion had given birth to a movement that could not be contained within ethnic, territorial, or political boundaries. When he gives them courage, strength, hope, and will, these are not merely arm's-length transactions. They are an expression of the intimate, personal involvement of a loving, personal God with his people. God knows those who serve him and those who rebel against him. He will not discard the righteous with the wicked, 
Instead, he will evaluate everyone justly. This is exactly what Paul had in mind when he wrote, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. This lesson is yours. Thank you for being present. I pray that something has been said that is both edifying and uplifting. Next week's lesson comes from Acts 19, verses 1 through 20, and the title is The Ephesian Church. Let's pray one for another. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father God, we come to you with bowed hearts and closed eyes. We come to you with the spirit of obedience, a spirit of awe and readiness to glorify you. With zeal and commitment, we are so thankful that we are counted among that precious remnant, the remnant that you call your children. What a blessing it is that we are able to serve the true and living God of all. Our God who sits high and looks low, our God who sent his only begotten son to this low ground of sorrow to serve, to teach, to die on the cruel cross of Calvary for the accrued sins of mankind. What an extraordinary act of sacrificial love. We thank you for that sacrifice, that model of agape love. We thank you for your long-suffering, Father. We repent, Father, of any trespasses we have committed since the last time we were together. We seek a closer walk with you. We pray for all those we are bound to pray for. We pray for the sick, the shut-in, those suffering the effects of debilitating disease. We pray for those going into or coming out of procedures. We pray for the caregivers, and we pray that your loving arms of protection be wrapped around them and that you give them peace. We know your will must be done, Father. And we pray for all those held back by the chaos and confusion of this world. We pray for a spirit of discernment and clarity. We pray that something was gained from our study today. We pray for all who are gathered within the sound of my voice. We continue to be thankful for the ability to serve you. These and all other blessings and favors we ask in the most blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, Christians, we thank you for being a part of this ongoing study. Let's all read out, reach out in, in love to one another this week. Lift up each other and pray for one another. Let us praise God from whom all blessings flow. Count it all joy. Bye for now.